Well, I never felt more like singing hooray. Just drove a new Ford, and I'm here to say it's all new. It's sure a new kind of Ford. Hey, everybody, and welcome to a new edition of Talking About Cars. I'm Randy Cardoon. Everybody has a car story. This week... Coming April 17th, the unexpected, the new Ford Mustang, brilliant new kind of car. The man behind the Fisker Karma and the man behind the Mustang Rocket, Henrik Fisker and Galpin Autosports' own Bo Bachman. All right, Henrik, so when did you find out you were a car guy? Sitting uh, in the back of my dad's uh, Saab 95, uh, and I must have been, I don't know, five, six, seven years old. And it, you know, I always played with cars, you know, little matchbox cars and all that. But I remember seeing the silver Maserati pass us, and it was in Denmark. And uh, I just remember thinking, this thing looks like a spaceship. And I just thought, I want to do something with cars. I mean, it's just like, it just was in my mind. I think I'm probably eight, nine years old. And I think at that point, I didn't know if I was going to wash cars or sell cars or make cars or design cars. I just knew that my path in life was going to be something to do with cars. So so that was sort of the first time when I really realized I want to get in the car business. That was probably about, I would say, eight, nine, ten years old. But I always played with Matchbox cars. Okay, i got to ask you, being a fan of Matchbox cars myself back in the day, what was your favorite Matchbox car? You know, I actually don't remember the names, but I remember there was one that, w- that had this uh, amazing uh, blue, but it was like uh, uh, an intense blue like a metallic that they put on these little cars. And it was some, I, I don't even think it was, it might have been some derivative because sometimes they made these sort of show cars that was a little crazy. So it might have been one of those. And I also do remember one of the other favorite cars I had, which was not really a car, but my dad went to London and he brought back a London bus. Mm. And it was like a little replica, which I thought was really cool. So I would just collect. I think at one point I must have had more than a thousand Matchbox cars. Unfortunately, I took them to school to trade them, and and I had them in two big bags, and somebody stole them. So that was the end of that. Unfortunately. You know, you say blue. I'm thinking Iso Grifo. Does that ring a bell? It could have been one of those. I, I quite frankly don't remember. I'm suddenly gone into Matchbox trivia. Those of you who listen to this show from time to time will know Randy diverts into Matchbox trivia very easy at the drop of a hat. When you were learning to drive, what was your first car uh, in high school? In Denmark, there's 180% tax on cars. So you don't get a car in high school like you do in America. You get to borrow your dad's car. Uh So I borrowed my dad's top 95, and it was winter. And on my first uh, trip, there was actually not high school, it was college, because in Denmark, you can't get a driver's license before you're 18. So it was on the way to to college, and uh, it was snowing. And I get around a 90-degree corner, and I actually uh, lose you know, the car starts sliding. It was before, you know, all the controls we have today, and it ended up in a ditch. Oops. And I went, and I didn't want to tell my dad, so I got this uh, guy that's on a tractor to pull me out of the ditch. <laughs> so I never actually told him about it. <laughs> dad never figured that out. Well, what are these tractor marks on the side of the car? Okay, they have prom in Denmark, right? Yeah, that's right. Okay, what did you drive, what did you go to prom in? You know, at that point, I think I had my first uh, Alfa Romeo, which were an old rusty Alfa suit, which probably many Americans don't know because it wasn't sold here, but it was a very small Alfa Romeo kind of sporty car. And uh, I remember I had even done some Bondo work on it myself and tried to kind of do some stuff. didn't look great, but I put some speed stripes over it. And I started to look pretty cool. 
Uh, I don't know if my date thought it looked so cool, but <laughs> <laughs> you are known as a car designer. But as far as actually the mechanics and working on it, did you get into that much? No, I didn't get much into that because I do. I'm really, I'm really about the aesthetics and and design. I mean, I love the mechanics, and of course, I want to understand the horsepower and all that stuff. But I'm not really the guy who rebuilds an engine. Bo Bachman, you know the name. He's been with Galpin Ford. Well, gosh, how long have your uh, fa- how long has the family owned the business? It's been uh, one of the top dealerships, if not the top dealership, in Southern California and probably the United States for a long, long time. How long have you been involved uh, with Galpin Ford? Uh, well, I'm 45 years old and really since birth. My dad uh, started at Galpin as a, a salesman in 1953. Wow. So uh, he's been at it a few years now and uh, just worked his way up uh, into the business and uh, grew it to where uh, we're at today. And actually, we're number one in the world for the past quarter of a century. So it's been uh, kind of a, a fun accomplishment, and uh, you know, I'm really proud of my dad and our people and uh, what he's put together there. This may sound like a ridiculous question, but the cars you grew up with, I would assume, are mostly Fords, if not all Fords. Uh, is that to say that your first car was a Ford? It was not a Ford, and yes, I absolutely grew up with uh, 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 Fords, uh, and not only Fords, but custom Fords. Uh, you know, we were doing uh, galvanizing, as we called it, um, really going back to right when my dad started at the dealership and built the first custom that was on the uh, cover of Motor Trend in 1953. So... Um, uh, we always had custom vehicles on the lot, so when I was growing up in the dealership, I thought custom cars were normal. You know, that just uh, uh, that just seemed like a normal thing, and stock cars never looked quite complete. You know, it just looked too uh, too too bland, I guess. So. Um, uh, anyway, I don't know. I'm well, we're bearing we're bearing the headline here, and that is the fact that you just admitted, if I'm not mistaken, that your first car was not a Ford. In my family, you drive what we sell, so that's a big deal. But actually, it was my grandmother's car uh, that she willed me. It was a 1965 Mercedes 220 SE. Uh, and uh, it was green. I loved green when I was a kid, so I got that, and I customized it for my uh, 16th birthday. So that was my present. I didn't get a car. I got to actually restore this car and did it all this beautiful black lacquer paint with a, a leopard skin interior, believe it or not, and it came out, I mean, really badass. I still have that today, and that's, the, that's the last thing I would ever sell. I mean, that is, uh, that's my most prized possession, actually. And, uh, yep, drove that uh, throughout high school. And uh, after, uh, actually, after a close call in an accident, I got my first Mustang. And then uh, then I was in the Fords, and what, then I drove from then on whatever we sold. And then, you know, always kept that car, but uh, still love that car. Then you were put back in the will by the family then, yes. right? Yes, yes, yes absolutely. <laughs> okay, so. well, that's good. That's good. It's nice to know you're back in the good graces of the family. Which, and he brings up a good point, uh, Henrik, is that he still has his original car. Uh I don't know if you'd want that Alfa Romeo still, because you were saying at the time it wasn't all that great. Uh, whatever happened to that? Well, it's a great car, but it literally rusted away because the Italians at that time were famous for using recycled steel, which uh, when you bought an Alfa those days at the dealer in Denmark, because there's a lot of ocean around, there would actually be rust running down over the side of the car. And the dealer would go, oh, don't worry about that. You, know, you just spray it and you put some stuff in. and you know. So that was kind of... But that car was obviously old, so I think by today it, it's gone. You know, it doesn't. But I did also customize it. Now talking about customizing, I, I actually got a special super tuned engine from Germany and got 
that put in, and I put special wheels, sort of gold wheels on the gold stripe, and it had that typical 70s brown look, so I wanted to spiff it up a bit. So, and then I cut in my own solar sunroof in it, my own sun, because you could buy these aftermarket sunroofs you could put in, which were actually quite fun. So, you know, yeah, I had fun with that first car. Yeah, and in fact, the interesting thing a lot of people who are listening may not be aware of in countries like Denmark, it's not conducive to holding on to cars and make them last. I mean, here in Southern California, for example, we we are living the life of Riley when it comes to classic cars. We've got them all over the place, and we could we could hang into hang on to them for a long time. But back in in Denmark, that's just unheard of trying to hold on to cars that long. Well, you hold on to cars for different reasons because the taxes are so high. You actually have to keep your old car very long, you know. So that's a different reason. So they aren't necessarily sort of your typical classic cars. It's just you know old cars that are well kept. But, um, you know, then you got the new emission rules and all that, which also, of course, means you have a lot newer cars. But you're right. I mean, California is unique. The weather, uh, you know, just the space you have here, you have more garage space. So it's just it's, it's really a place where it's a, it's a dream to live if you love cars. How does a guy who is into cars like you were and into the design factor, what was the situation that put you into designing outside of Denmark? I mean, you've got to be in a, almost in a fishbowl going, oh, man, look over there. I would love to design that, but here I am. How did you handle that? Well, so when I told my teacher I want to be a car designer, she said there's nothing called a car designer. You can become an engineer because in Denmark there's no car industry. Um, so I, I, of course, went home and, and I told my dad, and I was, I was like, devastated. And he said, well, why don't you write a letter to Volvo? Because that was fairly close, Sweden, Denmark, you know, fairly close. So I wrote a letter to Volvo, and they basically said, well, we can recommend a school uh, called Arts Center College of Design in Pasadena in California, and they had a sister school in Switzerland. So it was easier for me to throw all my drawings in my old Rostiel Vermeer and drive to Switzerland than it was to fly to California. So I actually started in that school in Switzerland, and, and that was just a dream come through. Switzerland. They actually had a branch in Switzerland. Did you ever find out how that came to be, that they had a branch in Switzerland? You know, it was. Uh, they realized that there was a lot of people in Europe that wanted to be car designers, but to actually move all the way to the U.S. and you know, suddenly start to live here and go to school here was uh, quite a big move. So they decided to make a branch in Switzerland, which then, the reason Switzerland was because it was sort of a neutral ground. So you weren't in Germany, so only the German car companies were ruled. You weren't in France, or the French, or the, in England, or in Italy. So that's why they chose Switzerland. But eventually, they concluded that, uh, you, you know, with the ups and downs, the economy and all that, it just made sense just to have one school in, in California and Pasadena. Meanwhile, Galpin Ford in Southern California was running out these custom jobs. And again, you mentioned it for quite a long time. I mean, you would do things to Mustangs that no one ever thought of. And the next thing you know, years later, Mustang would go, hey, that's a pretty interesting idea. Maybe we'll do that. Yeah, there were uh, a few different uh, uh, circumstances like that. Actually, we did a lot of uh, racing back in the day. Uh, we were the West Coast National, I mean, West Coast NASCAR champions four years in a row. And uh, actually, uh, our uh, driver was also our service manager and designed uh, custom suspensions uh, for Mustangs uh, in doing that. 
Uh, and uh, even when uh, when Ford uh, got rid of the Mustang convertible, we had one built, and uh, actually Ford took it back to Detroit and uh, started building the convertible again. So yeah, there's been uh, several times where we've had some unusual customizing that uh, became trends, and and eventually uh, uh, became uh, things like the conversion van that actually started at Galpin. Now, how much input did you have into what they did as far as customs? I mean, would the family sit down, and I say family, your your dad, who of course at that by that time owned the place and you know whoever else had input tell me a story about how maybe one of the customs and you had to decide what kind of custom to do on a car or was that already preordained well it was about listening to customers that's uh, always what my dad talked about uh, there was an article in the ford times from like 1970 and it was all about hey listening to young people you know and it was it was funny because that article when i read it was as relevant today as it was back then because people still want things that are unusual and different and cool and individual and something that's their own so uh, he lets people do that and uh, let, um, you know, customers actually come up with ideas, believe it or not. Uh, and uh, like with trucks, we, uh, we really started a, a big off-road craze at Gallup, and we used to sell two 4x4 trucks a year, give you an idea. And um, our get-ready manager, his name was Bob Ferris, said, hey, you know, I'm an off-road guy. Um, let me build one the way I would like it as a customer, and let's see if we can sell more than two a year. And we went from selling two a year to 25 a month. And they were, you know, lifted up and wenches. And, I mean, really badass-looking trucks. And, uh, you know, just giving people what they what they like and listening to, uh, uh, to what the trends are and, you know, why we're here at SEMA. How many Mustangs, and on this same vein, how many Mustang different versions are there right now? I mean, because... It seems every year there's two or three. You guys, or yeah. more than that, you guys come up with your own versions. Off the top of your head, how many different versions of a Mustang? If somebody walks in and says, hey, I want to buy a Mustang. Okay, well, here's... Ford, brand, Ford brands included? Sure. Jeez. And just uh, the 2015-16 model years? Okay. So, uh, yeah, you got... We'll make, uh, we'll make it simple, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, that's a, that's the beauty about Mustang, too, isn't it? I mean, there's really a Mustang for, like... Every sector of life. It doesn't matter what age you are. People love Mustangs. It doesn't matter, you know, what status you are in life. People dig Mustangs. So that's why I love that question because I think that there's so many different uh, uh, ones. Well, it seems every time you bring, you listen, and like a few years ago, I thought you brought back the Boss 302. You bought back every version of the Mustang we all dreamed about in the 60s and 70s. And now I've lost track, but. You you may not. Okay, well you know of the, of the you know there's a standard engines that you go through and the and the, the five you know five O GT and then uh, you get uh, up to the Shelby now and the GT three fifty, and then they have the really kind of track uh, version but streetable and that's the uh, GT three fifty R, which absolutely is a killer as well. Uh, and our friends uh, next door at Roush, uh, I think their Mustang's actually uh, uh, pretty cool uh, uh, looking as well and uh, great performing. I think Roush does a good product. Uh, you know, Hennessy, he's doing his thing, but uh, more about performance. We can't get that in California, though. He's out in Texas where they can, uh, you know, they can kind of get away with, uh, you know, doing things the way they, they want to, you know, the way we all dream about uh, doing cars today. But in California, we got a little a stricter this, emissions. This you know? is America. Yeah. Shouldn't we be able to get everything we want in California? No, not quite in California. See, there's, a, there's the oh, sun tax and everything man. else that goes with oh, California. Man. And then, of course, our uh, Galpin Fisker Rocket, which, uh, you know, we're proud as kind of uh, at the top there and being a, a truly uh, coach-built car uh, made of all-carbon fiber. 
with the exception of the doors for strength and, and uh, the the roof uh, and uh, uh, supercharged 725 horsepower so it uh, it looks absolutely spectacular uh, and it drives uh, beautifully as well and I've just got to say uh, you know working with Henrik has been uh, nothing but pure joy and just seeing the way uh, his mind works and just this beautiful design that he came up with for this uh, rocket um, I was blown away from the moment I saw it, and it just keeps getting better looking uh, every time I uh, uh, go over that car. And people have absolutely loved it. So I'm, I couldn't have, I'm, I've, I've never been more proud of a project we've done. Bo Bachman, along with Henrik Fisker, joining us on uh, Talking About Cars. You know, we bring up the rocket, which, of course, you come from, at one point, you were uh, putting together the Fisker Karma. Gorgeous car. Great concept. I mean, you could stick your head inside there and just smell the leather, and it was like, oh, my God, it's the best stuff that is out there. Um, sometimes when these cars are made, they come out of a place of... Uh, there's an opening. There's a need. Uh, is that one of the reasons that came that you came up with that, or had you been kind of stewing on the idea for a while and approached for it? Well, no, you know, it was. Um, I, I kind of always loved American muscle cars, and um, you know, Bo and I had known each other for a long time, been friends for a long time. But we hadn't seen each other for a while. You know, I've been in Europe and doing other stuff, and uh, I I'd sketched sort of an idea of of a, of a really just extreme Mustang, something that probably you know, an OEM like Ford could not do. And I thought it would be really cool to one day maybe do something like that just for fun. So I I called Bo and said, hey, do you have time to meet up, you know, after uh, Pebble Beach? So he says, yeah, come by and I'll show you the shop and what we got and all that stuff. So <clears throat> I got I drove by Bo in actually an old Oldsmobile that overheated on the way. And Bo said, yeah, my guys will fix it. Don't worry. And the thing almost you know, How old of an Oldsmobile? Remember, we're talking <laughs> it on a classic car show. It was a 1972 Oldsmobile Tornado that I just got rebuilt the engine at 455. And yeah. I'd actually made it into a speedster. So I chopped off the roof. And I came all the way from Pebble Beach without a roof. And it was raining on the way, too. So uh, it was a long drive, a lot of fun. But there's that big hill in Camarilla. And I right. tried to stay on about... Let's just say the speed limit around there, and uh, I guess it overheated a bit. Anyway, so I can't imagine. I can just imagine this happening, and picture in your mind: you're driving up the Camarillo grade, and you see a '72 Oldsmobile with the top cut off, and some guy is trying to drive up the hill. Is that kind of the accuracy of what? And and all this, uh, you know, um, uh, smoke, coming, smoke out coming out of the of the radiator. So when I came into <laughs> Bose, smoke was coming out, you know, and but he had the whole team ready. And uh, they fixed it in about 15 minutes or something. Uh, but anyway, so I showed these pictures to Bo, and I said, oh, look, I think one day it will be really cool to do something like this. And Bo goes, why don't we do it now? And he says, can you really make it look like that in reality? And I says, yeah, of course, because, you know, it's just us. Because, you know, Bo is also used to that he sees a sketch, uh, you know, somewhere. And then, of course, the final car never looks like that because, you know, there's all these reasons from the big companies and all that. So I said, yeah, we can make it exactly like that. And then he says, well, can we make it for SEMA? I go, are you kidding? SEMA is like in four weeks or something. And he says, okay, let's do it for a Detroit, uh, sorry, for a Los Angeles car show. And I said, well, do you have a car? And he goes, no, it isn't out yet So because we need a new Mustang. So uh, we kind of started to work on this car actually having seen the new Mustang in the flesh. Well, I think Bo had seen it, but I hadn't seen it uh, because, you know, Bo gets to see the cars earlier. Um, so I, I called Bo every day. And said, Bo, 
where's the Mustang? Do you have a Mustang? He said, it's coming, it's coming. So I was working at a little blindly in the beginning, uh, basically just from spy photos of the new Mustang. Uh, but eventually we got the car. And, uh, you know, the great thing about working with Bo is that he's just as crazy as I am. So we both were high-fiving and, and probably drinking the same Kool-Aid. And we didn't ask anybody else about their opinion, which sometimes is good because, you know, sometimes you've got to get that pure emotional feeling directly into the product without taking any, not one gram out of the emotion. And really, it might have been the first project where truly not even one gram. There was, there was like nobody would said, do we need a little more trunk space? Or should the wheels be a little smaller? Or is it a little too wide? Or should, should I put a popcorn maker in the dashboard? You know, Whatever. Like we, we, it really was like the sketch. And we just, we just went for it, you know, and we just did it. And I think we were both quite amazed about the reception. I, I, I don't think we would, we, we thought we were going to get such an amazing reception for this car that, as we did. So now we are, because of that, I mean, we, 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 we may only just have made 10, but we got such an amazing reception that now we're actually refining it to make it even higher quality because we're going to do probably a little more than we originally thought. You know, it's one of those uh, stories where literally the night before we're putting things on it and that morning, you know, the uh, the, the caps came in like right when the doors opened. Uh, yeah, it was literally down to the wire just, you know, just like they properly should be, right, uh, for these kinds of projects. But yeah, it was uh, it was crazy trying to get that first car. And of course, you know, this is the 50th anniversary Mustang and everyone's waiting for it. And the first one call comes off the truck and, you know, we got customers lined up for these things. They're going, what are you doing grabbing this thing? I'm like, no, we can, trust me, this is going to be really cool. So, uh, uh, but it's really true. It was amazing. And you can go back and look at those original uh, uh, renderings that Henrik did. And that's what the car looks like. I mean, there was no reason to change it. Sometimes when you look at something, and uh, I'm on a, a product committee at Ford Motor Company, and, and we do, uh, 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 you know, we look at all the future products that are coming on. And when they show something that's right, you know, the mo most important thing we say, just do that. Don't change it. Don't talk to too many people. Don't. Yeah, just, it's pure. And that's what this was. It was so beautiful. To, to, once you start messing with it, it would have lost something. And, you know, that's the, uh, a testimony to a great designer. And it's coming out w soon after uh, Chrysler Dodge came out with the Hellcat. But because of the whole way design works, it, that obviously was well underway before the Hellcat even showed up. Correct? Well, I don't know exactly what the timing was, but <clears throat> obviously, um, you know, I think there's sort of a little uh, resurgence of, of muscle cars uh, because, I, I for me, uh it is sort of a little bit about this ultimate American freedom, you know, where, you know, you, you sit in a car, you got 700 horsepower on your right foot, you know, and, and you know, you got, you got this amazing muscular design. It just is all about freedom, not only from a designer's point of view, but I think from, from everybody who's involved with it, you know, and, and also from the people who drive it. And it, it is perhaps a little bit against some of the trends because like you just mentioned of course I've done environmental friendly cars too and for me it's a little bit like yes we have to eat healthy salad and vegetables and all that but once in a while we just want to 
giant steak with French fries. Right. And that's really what that is. You know, just go for it. And it you know, can't be big and fast enough, you know. I like that, you know. <laughs> the Mustang Rocket, a big steak with French fries. <laughs> I, I like that. <laughs> Must be right before lunch or something right now. Jeez. Oh, uh, sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Buy a Handy Shack back now. Uh, it, it's such a great concept, and it's such a great-looking car. Now, I'm not quite sure how this jives with it, but didn't Ford just recently come out and say they're coming up with a supercar of their own? Is it similar to yours? Is it based on yours? Uh, I don't know. I don't know exactly uh, what uh, what Ford uh, has up their sleeve. You know, the... Uh, uh, the GT350 and, and R are uh, spectacular, and that's, uh, uh, you know, they're, I mean, for what that car is, it's brilliant. Um, so uh, they do have their, uh, uh, you know, they're doing the Cobra Jet, which is their uh, track car. Right. Uh, and then, of course, uh, the thing that we're all completely uh, jazzed about is the Ford GT, which is, I think, one of the most uh, beautiful cars in the modern era. I mean, that thing is spectacular yeah. and uh, very cool to see it here uh, as well in yellow. This year's remodel is just unbelievably nice. And, and it fits so well with what you did with the Rocket and, and the open grill as you did, the big old grill. I mean, that's a great design feature. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I think that we kind of placed the Rocket sort of in a space that was, you know, free, so to speak, because the normal Mustangs go up to probably, I don't know, 70,000, something like that. And, you know, the Rocket is just over 100. So we are really sort of occupying a space which really there is no muscle car in that space, especially not like a four-seater muscle car that you can really drive every day. And, of course, it's it's unique because of the carbon fiber body and, and your 21-inch wheels and, and, you know, all the super leather we put in and all that stuff. So there's no expense spared in that sense. So I think we found sort of almost another niche that hasn't been there before for somebody who, who loves Mustangs or wants something unique. I'm always interested because you keep going to different projects. It's like you're going now. You did the Fisker Karma. That's cool. You, you did the Rocket. That's amazing. Uh, is there something in the back of your mind for something else? Or uh, there was a time I think you were talking about doing your own car company. Well, I've already done my own car company once. Uh, I'm think there's a lot of things in the back of my mind all the time. Probably too many things. So usually I have to pick something. And sometimes the situation, they're just things comes together and in case with with Bo it just came together the right time I mean they launched the new Mustang you know we felt both that this is the right car for the right time so you know I'm working on a lot of different projects and uh, I'm sure you'll see some new exciting cars next year you know the next car that we by the way did is is the speedster version of of, of the rocket which is a convertible with a two uh, you know, uh, uh, basically a speedster cover, so you can have a two-seater for the weekend or a four-seater when you've got to drop the kids in school. So, you know, that that was something that we immediately said, let's do, you know, the convertible version as well. Well, that's that goes back to what, the 63 T-Bird? Remember the 63 T-Bird that used to have the two-seat yeah. the yeah. two seat speedster thing? Oh, that was so cool. Yeah. It still is. That is. I mean, you see that today and you just kind of go, wow, yeah. that was a great design. That was a really nice design. A couple of questions I always ask people on the show is um, the cars you have in your garage right now is one of them. Well, uh, unless the Mustang Rocket is on display here, then is uh, Mustang Rocket a uh, Speedster um, and a Fisker Karma. Uh, so I, I drive the Fisker 
pretty much every day is a great car in traffic because you just drive around in electric mode and mm -hmm. still a car people turn around and look at and it's, it's kind of cool because it was a car you know from ground up different and, and still is very different in proportion and all that and then I got a few other cars uh, uh, Aston Martin Vantage and a few others so uh, I try to sort of stick with the cars that I've somewhat been involved with because that keeps the finances in order if I if I really go wild and start buying a whole bunch of other cars, then uh, you know I'm gonna have to sell my house and my kids and everybody else. <laughs> you don't want to do that. <laughs> do you ever do, do you ever catch yourself in the Aston Martin going, "My name is Bond, James Bond." Well, I put the music on once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> and there are a bunch of cars out there. Are there any cars that you want? You look and say, you know something? One day that's number one on my list. I want to get. Well, I actually, one thing I missed was to buy a BMW Z8, which, uh, of course, I, I, I worked on, I designed the exterior on. And, uh, you know, it's funny because when it came out, it was the most expensive BMW ever. And it was just something where I thought, you know, I'll buy it when it goes down in price one of these days. And, of course, now they're like triple the price they were new. So you help design it, don't you? Get a discount or something? <laughs> you know, that's what people always think. You get the family and friends discount, exactly. which, by the way, is not even as big a discount if you go to Bowen buy a car. <laughs> He'll make you a better deal than they do at the OEM. <laughs> Bo, same thing. What's in your garage? I mean, you have a lot of cars in your garage, I'd imagine. But what are some of them? Gosh, I feel like the luckiest guy in the world. You know, I can walk out there. We've got literally five thousand vehicles there. Uh, that's a big garage. That's a that's a big garage, yeah. uh, and, and uh, believe it or not, right now I'm taking a different car home every week to kind of try them out and uh, see what's new coming out. I just drove the uh, new Lincoln MKX, which was fabulous, uh, and uh, absolutely loved it. It's nice to see Lincoln finally uh, really coming out with some product that uh, competes uh, with uh, with the you know with the big boys now, and it's just beautiful and something different. Going right with this quiet flight thing. Just drove the uh, Volvo XC90, and wow, incredibly impressed with uh, with that car. And uh, just uh, they're kind of Swedish take. And I like that those car companies and uh, uh, have been driving a Jag F uh, type as well that we sell, which is you know <laughs> so much fun. I mean, just an absolute blast. So I feel like the luckiest guy in the world. I get to you know kind of take these cars home and check them out. And, and uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, different car every day. We're not. I don't. I don't feel the sympathy coming here. I don't. I, uh, like I said, I feel like the luckiest guy in the world. And you know, we, we also sell uh, uh, some classic cars there as well. So we got a few. Uh, Classic uh, must gas will work on anything, really. Yeah, we uh, we do all makes and models of uh, of cars and uh, all all the years. I mean, we're working on, you know, everything from uh, Model Ts and classic Mustangs to, uh, uh, you know, actually uh, uh, very unusual cars. Uh, uh, doing a Land Rover uh, uh, 150 right, a Defender and um, uh, a few other really uh, amazing projects. I actually, types, you know, so. I actually saw as I was driving by the dealership one day uh, a car that starts with C. And uh, I couldn't believe it. I But, but you know, it looked great. Actually, we uh, here at the show. Uh, have a Camaro that is absolutely a, a killer resto mod uh, over in Pirelli's booth. So yeah, we work on them all. We don't, uh, uh, you know, we don't just work on Fords. And I don't know how many people know, but you are a crazy Ed Roth guy. 
And and I and I remember because uh, when they had the Peterson exhibit and the Ed Roth exhibit and they had some other ones, you brought out a bunch of those. Tell me about your interest in the Ed Roth vehicles and which of the ones you have. Well, and you know that's something else that we kind of specialize in in re- in doing restorations is because of this crazy passion with uh, uh, these very uh, uh, unusual automobiles. I'm a huge Ed Roth fan. He just really inspired me when I was a kid. Uh, and uh, actually bought Rotar, which was the Roth flying car, which actually flew on eBay, believe it or not. And uh, a few years later, I remember I, I literally went to someone. I'm like, you know what? We should uh, – Orbitron got lost years ago. Uh, whatever happened to that car, we got to really see if there was any clues like left over. The last clues were like it was in El Paso in the early 70s. So uh, actually not long after that, a gentleman by the name of Michael Lightmore found it in Juarez, Mexico. And uh, we, uh, uh, he pulled it out of uh, Juarez, and it was actually in, in a, it was being used as a dumpster outside of a sex shop uh, in the most dangerous city in North America, in the worst part of town. I mean, that's where this thing was, right? That is one of the greatest stories ever. Yeah, and uh, it gets even better, actually, because uh, we took on a restoration to really, I showed it, you know, as it was found for a while, but we want to do a restoration to, to you know, make Roth proud. And also what was beautiful about it was... Cu- Frankly, leaving all the mistakes uh, because, you know, you look at the like the, the rear taillights and it looked like he closed his eyes and just randomly, you know, just picked holes to put the, the lights in. I'm not kidding, by the way. Uh, but we got uh, uh, Newt, who was the, uh, Ed Newton, who was the original designer involved, so we could make sure we got all the shapes correct. Um, we had uh, Larry Watts in there to oversee the paint, who painted it original, and uh, also with Billy Carter. Uh, we had, uh, you know, the Roth family that was there. Uh, Perez, who did the interior uh, in, uh, in in 64, did it in his same garage. And, you know, it, so we actually, you know, bringing back the original hands that worked on the car uh, was really an amazing uh, experience. And uh, that kind of uh, helped uh, uh, fuel uh, what we do in our restoration shop now. So we take on a lot of these unusual projects that we do. And we build hot rods. Uh, and in fact, we have uh, the grasshopper uh, replica here in the PPG booth, uh, and it's uh, it's like perfectly done. Dave Shutton, who's our builder, I mean, he is absolutely amazing, and uh, it's all about every crazy little detail and getting everything perfectly right. Because uh, when you're doing a restoration, that's the way you want to have it. And if you're doing a resto mod, you want everything as perfect as possible, and for things to be cohesive and have a cohesiveness between the old and the new. So it's a real art form. So I'm real proud of uh, what our guys are turning out these days and same question i gave henrik is of all the cars out there if you had is, is there a number one bo bachman car on a list that you want to get someday oh gosh like anything in the world that's uh that's that's too much of a crazy question that would make my uh my head explode uh believe it or not um we you know we, there's there's I have such weird eclectic tastes. I don't know. It depends on what show we were at. You know, right now I'd probably pick, uh, you know, one of the wild customs out here. If we were at Pebble Beach, I'd be, you know, talking about uh, a Bugatti, you know, or some crazy thing, you know, I've never heard of. So uh, that's what I love, kind of the more unusual, the better. We're going to bring Bose back sometime because uh, we're we're not touching anything on – Pimp my ride, uh, <laughs> and he's probably thanking me right now. But uh, someday we'll talk about that. Last thoughts from you guys, Henrik. You know you've you have such an eclectic background because you search for cars and, and that are different, and you try to make them better. 
What do you see ahead for you? What kind of uh, design would you like to do or uh, tackle someday? Well, I think one of the things I would like to do, there's a couple, there's a lot of stuff I would like to do, but eventually I would like to do a vehicle which has a broader reach in terms of price. I just, by default, I just always end up with doing cars that are either close to $100,000 or more. Uh, so I think it would be fun to do a car that was maybe $35,000. So a lot more people, you know, could get to it. So that that's definitely a goal I have. Uh, I would say sort of uh, in the in the near future, you know, I just love sports cars. I, I just love, you know, these, these fantastic body sculpture you can do with a sports car. And I think when you look in America, um, there's such a great history of uh, sports cars, whether it's, the, of course, the Ford GT40, the original one, and then going all the way up to what they're going to come up with later. Uh, and I was at Ford when they did the Ford GT, it was, it was amazing. And of course, with, with GM has had the Corvette for so many years, um, you know, and, and Chrysler have had different attempts and, and different vehicles, the Viper and so on. So I think uh, it would be fun one day to um, sort of do some sort of American, you know, sports car. I think that would be, be really cool because when you buy a car today, sort of in above $200,000. And again, of course, I'm getting up now in the high price range. But but if you do that, you know, you really don't have an American alternative. Um, so especially now if you talk about also a whole brand and all that. So I think that could be really interesting to look at mm -hmm. eventually. Uh, but, but really also the $35,000 car could be a lot of fun. So, you know, there's a lot of openings. The only thing that I've never done and no desire to do is a minivan. <laughs> yeah, but if you did, you'd murder it. I, I would make it very cool. I, I don't know that you could fit all the kits in it, but it would look really cool. <laughs> Bo, what, what, is there one project you think that kind of stands out? Is there something that comes to mind as something you've always thought would be kind of cool to do, but you haven't had a chance to do yet? Yeah, now the Fisker minivan. <laughs> 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 oh man, I, you know I can't get anything out of my head now. Other than that, you know, I got a bunch of kids at home. That would be awesome. You know? Watch out, SEMA next year. <laughs> In reality, Fisker is now looking at making not minivans, but super yachts. Huh? Maybe you'll be able to fit a minivan on deck or not. You can follow Henrik Fisker on Twitter at HFiskerOfficial and Bo Bachman at Bo Bachman, B-O-E-C-K-M-A-N-N, and at Galpin Autosports on Twitter. And to see some of the cars that he has displayed there, we'll post it on our brand new website. That's right, we have a website now. It's called TalkingAboutCars.net. Check it out. Thanks for joining us on this week's Talking About Cars podcast. Join us in the coming weeks to hear from Rick and Kelly from American Restorations, Velocity TV's Ray Evernham and Christy Lee, and from the NHRA, legend Shirley Muldowney and future legend Erica Ender Stevens. Until next week, I'm Randy Cardoon. Join me next time as we have some fun talking about cars. Thank you.